You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I'm so, so excited to share with you guys this morning because I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony around our transformation in this house and how that came to pass. Um, There are many churches in San Diego. There are many churches in Carlsbad. But I have to tell you, the secret sauce of Awaken is just that, that we actually want to know you as an individual. We actually want to know what makes you tick, what makes you excited, what makes you passionate. We want to know the gifts that God has put on the inside of you. And we want to create an environment here where you feel loved and taken care of. And I asked God for a word this morning to give to you. A specific word, like a word. Not like a whole word, but like literally a word. (laughs) Because um, a fun fact about me is I am a geek. I love the dictionary, and I love the encyclopedia. I grew up and watching those commercials, the Encyclopedia Britannica, like that was my dream. <laughs> I wanted that so bad. I never got it. But thank you, Jesus, for Google, because now it's just at my fingertips. But I love the dictionary. I love words. And so the Holy Spirit said, the word of the day is nurture. How appropriate is that for Mother's Day? And nurture. And the word nurture, here's the definition means to care for and encourage the growth or development of. And that is exactly what we are meant to do as the church. We are meant to do that as leaders and people of this house, going into our community, going into our workplace, going into the market, going into our homes, to take that nurturing, God-given aspect that we build in this house, that we um, cultivate in this house and to take it out and be the light of the world. And I'm going to share a scripture with you that says just that. And this is Titus 2, 1 through 8, and the message translation says, your job, and this is um, Paul speaking to Titus about what a church leader should look like. It says, your job is to speak out on the things that make for solid doctrine. Guide older men into lives of temperance, dignity, and wisdom, into healthy faith, love, and endurance. Guide older women into lives of reverence so they end up as neither gossips nor drunks, but models of goodness. By looking at them, the younger woman will know how to love their husbands and children, be virtuous and pure, keep a good house, be good wives. We don't want anyone looking down on God's message because of of their behavior. Also guide the young men to live disciplined lives. But mostly, show them all this by doing it yourself, incorruptible in your teaching, your words solid and sane, that anyone who is dead set against us when he finds nothing weird or misguided, might eventually come around. So that is our job as the church, to create a nurturing environment 
for every single person individually, no matter your journey, no matter where you are in life, that you come in, you have this model to you, and then you go and be the model. And <clears throat> you ready for, for this? Okay. <laughs> so now, so I'm going to share with you my testimony of coming from a home in an environment that was not that, that was not nurturing. It was a void, lack of any emotion, of any love, of any encouragement. And then coming into this house of God and be able to stand before you as a fully dressed, clothed woman that's healthy, that has a wonderful, handsome husband, beautiful children, because statistically, that is not what should have happened. So as I was researching more into the word nurture, there are so many studies and debates going on, nature versus nurture. What creates our personalities? What makes us who we are as adults? Is it nature or is it nurture? And it is a little bit of both. But when I was reading the nature part, the genetics part, I realized in myself that actually, I will not claim the, gen gen the genetics of my parents because I am made wonderfully and created wonderfully in my mother's womb by God. God made me uniquely, wonderfully. He knows every hair on my head. He knows every thought before I speak it. So when I was reading that debate, I was like, well, yeah, we are created by the nature of God. We all have the nature of God. The genetics of my parents are not going to set my path. God's going to set my path. Does that make sense? The, the genetics, the things of my family, my mom, my dad, the good, the, good, the bad, the dysfunction, I don't have to carry that. Because I am restored fully by Jesus Christ. My nature is kingdom. My nature is God. Now, the nurture part, on the other hand, plays a really big role into how we grow up. So I want to read this study that I found. And this study was done by the National Institute of Child and Health and Human Development. And then what this study did was it took babies, twins, kids, monkeys, and it raised one in a nurturing environment, and it raised one in an unnurturing environment. And this is the conclusion of these studies. It says, unfortunately, we know that the equally devastating impact that a lack of a nurturing has on a child, more and more stories are coming to light about children who were abused, neglected, and lacked basic nurturing care. They struggle to form deep and lasting relationships. Their lives as children and as adults are plagued with violence and substance abuse. They lack empathy and often struggle to integrate with society. So that is my story. That is my testimony. I should be that case study. I should be that statistic because that's exactly my upgrading. My upbringing was um, very lacking in basic needs and a nurturing mom, a loving mom, a loving dad, a caring family. And my brothers, um, the three of us, right, if we were looking at us as a case study, my brothers did not make it on the good side. 
My older brother has been plagued with addiction throughout his teenage to adult years. He's currently in prison. He's been in prison multiple times. He's currently serving again, and he has fallen to be a statistic so far, but he still has breath in his lungs, so I know God could turn him around. (laughs) So I am not claiming that over him. As long as he has breath in his lungs, he can be turned around for good because it happened in my life. It can happen in his life. Unfortunately, my little brother committed suicide five years ago, so he fell to the statistic. So I'm going to share with you a, a little bit about our upbringing. That way I could just paint a picture for you of how, um, how unnurtured I was and then how I could stand before you, a loving and caring person that I am. So <laughs> my dad, <clears throat> my handsome dad, he was in the Navy. Um, he was in the Navy until I was 13. He deployed often. I was born in Guam. My mother and my dad and I, we went to Italy. I was born in Italy. Did I say I was born in Guam? No, I wasn't. I'm just brown. I always think I am because I'm brown. Guam people are brown. I was actually born in Italy because <laughs> my dad got stationed there quickly. So I was born in Italy. Um, a few months later, my mother passed away of pancreatic cancer. So then I went to my grandmother. Um, for two years, and then my dad got remarried to a woman who is my mom. She's the only mom I know, and she had a son of her own who was four, and then they had my little brother who was two, and I never really had um, closure on my biological mom that passed away because when she died, my dad was a young 22-year-old sailor. They cremated her. They threw her ashes into the sea. Um, My dad did not talk about it. He never shared. He would tell me little snippets of, I think you have some brothers and sisters out there somewhere. Um, Your mom liked to eat rice, fish. And that was all I really knew. So that's the only thing I could grab a hold of for an identity of, of womanhood for myself. Because my new mom, she, unfortunately, um, She always just told me that she didn't know how to raise a girl, um, that she didn't love me the same as my brothers because I didn't come from her. So she was always very distant and cold. And any emotions that I had, any um, crying out for help that I had to her when I was little was immediately squashed. It was immediately, you are asking for attention, stop. So then my... I'll just give an example. My, um, my grandpa died when I was seven, and I was crying, as you do when people die. And my mom said, you are only crying for attention. So then I learned very quickly to shut up those emotions and stuff them inside, which is not good for a child to carry, right? So I'm a little kid, basic needs being barely met. And when I say barely met, me and my brothers shared clothes, Because like I said, she said she didn't know how to raise a girl. So I guess that meant she couldn't shop for clothes. I don't know. But I wore my brother's clothes. We even shared underwear at a point. Sometimes we slept in the same bed because our home situation was just very chaotic. I went to 12 different schools growing up. My dad was in and out. My dad was my hero. 
He was my blood. He was the only thing that I could identify with. Um, he's the only picture that I had of who I, who I was. He was the only thing I could look at and say, oh, I'm like my dad. Because I couldn't do that with my mom. I couldn't do that with my bi biological mom because I had no idea. So I found my identity in my dad. He's a very quiet. I'm very quiet. That's what I thought. <clears throat> And then my mom, when I turned nine, um, she said that my dad could no longer hug me or cuddle with me because it was inappropriate. So then I had not only emotional needs shut down from a mom, but the physical needs from a dad got shut down. Like, dad, hug your girls. That's what you're meant to do. We're meant to love our children. We're meant to hug them and prepare them of what actual love and intimacy looks like. So when they grow up into adulthood, they're not making these poor decisions looking for that love, looking for that, that fulfillment in the wrong areas. Even to this day, my, my dad will just give me like the side hug, you know, but because I've grown, I just give him a big old squeeze and he loves it. I attach, attack him with a bear hug. <laughs> But um, so when I was very young, like I said, I had to fend for myself. Um, there were times where I barely had shoes to wear to school. When I was little, I was really embarrassed to go to school. I always hid the best that I could. But by the time I got into junior high and high school, where I could babysit and make my own money and buy my own clothes, which I still bought kind of real tomboyish clothes, like I was rocking basketball jerseys and polos because <laughs> I had brothers and my dad. So, so I was on like a real tomboyish path and I was really good at sports. I was really good at hiding behind sports. I was funny, I was adventurous, but all that only came out at school. School was like my safe haven. I would go to school, I would be myself, um, very superficially, I didn't have, you know, people didn't know me enough to know that I lived like that because I had to just pin on a front just for my own sake and sanity. No one knew that I came from that kind of malnourishment. Um, so I came very good at hiding. And then, sorry, let me get a drink. And then I saw myself being that way in high school, but I saw my brothers doing something completely different. Drugs, in and out of school, um, running away, stealing, already on that cycle. And, um, and then I had this, a teacher when I was in 10th grade just bring me in and just pull me in and she was a beautiful woman. Her name was Miss McDonald. She had four adopted kids of her own. So I could not hide from her. She could see. She could just see something was lacking and something was missing. And all she did was pull me in. She would talk to me. She would care for me. She would tell me, you could do this. You could do that. What do you want to do in life? Have you thought about what you want to do in life? 
Um, she would encourage me to be better at sports. She would encourage me um, to just get good grades and to show up. And that was something that I had never experienced before. And God told me, because I cried out to him, because I was so torn of why my brothers were not on the same path. Why were they going down the statistic road? And God told me it's because of her, because she stepped in and provided that nurturing care that was lacking at home. And my brothers didn't get to receive that, unfortunately, yet for my big brother. So I'm so thankful for our teachers. I'm thankful for school, because for me, that was a place to just get away and to get a moment out of the stress of the home and to have some peace and to have a place where I could just be myself. And to, to have um, Mother's Day come around, it is a little bit difficult for me personally because of my mother was just very lacking in love. We don't have a loving, bonding relationship, but... I really enjoy Teacher Appreciation Day because it reminds me of Ms. McDonald and how, and how she just saved me from going down a path that was least desired. And I'll give you just a little story about her. So my very first job was at Kmart, which in a small town of Plant City, Florida was a big deal. Okay. So, so my mom, I'm going, I got my outfit on that my cousin bought me and I'm going to my first job interview at Kmart, and my mom looks at me, and she says, your cousin Lisa applied to work here. She didn't get the job. There's no way that you are going to get the job, and I went out, but by that time, I was 16, so that lack of love turned into hate and bitterness, and that just gave, her telling me that just gave me fuel to do better. Thank you, Jesus. It gave me determination to do better. Even though it may not have came from the right place, I knew me succeeding would be like a swift kick to the face to her. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to kick you in the face by getting this job. <laughs> That's not so bad, huh? But listen, I was 16. But it worked. So I got the job. Instead of her congratulating me or anything, there was nothing but Miss McDonald, my teacher, shows up my very first day. I got my red Kmart vest on, and I'm, she's just so proud of me. She just showed up to say, oh, my gosh, look at you. I'm so proud of you. God, job well done. Job well done. And then my parents got a divorce my senior year in high school. There was no money for college. So my dad, my hero, was in the Navy. I decided that was the route for me to go. And Ms. McDonald said, yes, amen, get out of here. Go make something of yourself. And that's what I did. And going into boot camp, that is the most nurturing environment that there is. <laughs> so, so, oh my gosh, I fit, I fit right in. I, I was happy as a clam. You just shut up and do what you're told. I could do that. I, I hid like no other. I hid so well in this military boot camp situation that my instructor, <laughs> two weeks before we were graduating, he walks by me and he goes, who are you? I'm like, I've been here the whole time. He's like, no, you haven't. I'm like, no, I have. But he had a lot more colorful words. 
involved in this. I'm like, I've been here the whole time. So the military for me was a place where I could hide if I wanted. I could be vulnerable to the people that I would let in if I wanted, but I didn't need to. I could hide behind a job. And then early on in my career, I got a great mentor who kept me on track. He was like a father figure. He actually helped close the doors of my biological mom because he went out of his way when we lived in Guam to find my family. So I, my, he found my two, two brothers and my sister in Guam. And then I got to go to Guam or to Palau. I'm not from Guam. I should have probably said that. My mom's from Palau. So we got to travel to Palau. I got to meet a whole slew of people, the whole island I was related to, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so, so that chapter got to be closed. Thank God, because someone saw that I see you, I care about you. Let's do something about it. And then I met this handsome man, which was not on my plan, my life plan, because I didn't come from a family right? I didn't want to be married. I didn't want children. I wanted to be an FBI agent. I want to carry my briefcase and go. And the military is a great way to like work your way up into the FBI. It gives you a good like resume. So, so I'm like doing it. That's what I'm going to do. But this guy just, he comes in with his muscles and sweeps me off my feet. So I'm like, okay, my boober. I love him. Now I got to figure out how to keep him. And so, and here we are, that lands us in church. We are very newlyweds. Thank you, Jesus. We came into this house very, very young. We hadn't even been married, uh, married a year yet. And so um, the, what, what I want you to get out of my story is the effects of what a nurturing environment can have on your life. And the title of my message this morning is The Nurture Effect. Because as soon as we came into this house, got under people that loved and cared for us, basic areas, basic needs started to flourish and to be met. And I want to share some of those areas with you this morning. Um, And number one is family growth. Family growth. So as I was saying that coming from a history that was very turmoil, a history of divorce, a history of just relational dryness to now have a husband to figure out what to do with. So early on, we would watch Pastor Jurgen and Leanne, and I would just watch how they treated each other, how they interacted. I would watch the other couples in the church see how they treated each other and interacted with one another. Like the Bible verse says, model to the young gals. So I was watching the modeling, and then I would just do what they did. It was simple. I would love him. I would do what they did. And we were very new Christians coming from a military background. I was like, um, are there children in here? No. I, I was like, we're Christian. Um, How do Christians have sex? Is that only on special occasions or on birthdays? (laughs) Like, I mean, the very basics we did not know, okay? So, like, how do these these Christians, how do they live? (laughs) And we found out very quickly by Pastor Leanne, you you have sex whenever you want to have sex. Oh, that's easy. We could do do that. (laughs) 
we could do that. <laughs> so, so just being in this environment uh, that champions marriage, that champions sticking it out together, we were able to flourish in that area. And then came the children part. Because I was not mothered. I did not think I could mother. So children was not something I wanted until um, I experienced the death of two people that were very close to me. Once they died, I realized life is short. It's not just about us. We need to have a legacy. We need to continue our generation because by the grace of God, they're not carrying what we carried in. We're going to stop it. They're going to be healthy and whole adults in this society. <clears throat> so then we got pregnant, and I got my baby in my belly, and I prophesying and praying that it's a boy. I'm picturing him with curls on his head and the waves. He's going to be a rugby player. Um, I get Jesse on board. I convince him that it's a boy too. And beautiful Pastor Leanne walks by me one day, and she goes, oh, that's a girl. And I'm like, get behind me, Satan. That is, a, that is, this is a boy. I got a boy in here. Because I had carried that fear and what I heard as a child, I, I don't know how to raise a girl. I don't know what to do with you. I carried that same fear that I would not know how to raise a girl, that I would not know what to do with her. So Coco comes. Um, we come home from the hospital. Her and I were sitting on the couch and I'm just crying my eyeballs out with this little baby girl watching Teen Mom on MTV. <laughs> and, I see, and I see these girls, like they're just having their baby. They're surrounded by friends getting ready for prom. I'm like, no way. There is, this is not true. There is no way that they are doing that. And I'm just crying, regretting every bit of it. What have I done? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to be a mom. She's crying in my lap. What do I do? I don't know what to do, except just sit here and hold her. That was, we brought her home on a Tuesday. And thank God, my husband said, we're going to church on Sunday. And we get back into the house of God right away. We didn't skip a beat because I could not afford not to come into the presence of the Lord, the peace of the Lord. And I, and I came in with like new eyes now that I had a baby. And I saw there was like a whole plethora of other women with little babies too. And I'm like, oh, there's more people. What do I do? <laughs> Help me out. And Pastor Leanne had just had Zoe. Pastor Summer had just had Charlize. I'm like, oh my gosh, please help me. And I would just watch them, how they, how they treated their daughters, how they loved on their daughters. And then I too was able to do the same thing. And one of the best things we did was get into a family connect group. So we got into a family connect group with Kathy and David Welsh. I would just watch. They would love on us. They would um, just take the baby and um, let us chat and enjoy each other, and we just grew friends to walk us along that journey of, of kids and having babies. So then that part of me was nurtured. I am a great mom. Um, I know how to raise a girl because I am a girl. <laughs> I am a girl. <laughs> That's funny to say it loud. Um, so I, I definitely know how to be a mom. It's in us. And God will bring that out. Okay, and then family-wise, he wanted to really, really 
now that I got the wife thing working out, now that I got the mom thing working out, he really wanted me to work on how to be a daughter, which was a long process. I'm still in it, but it's a long process of, of honoring my mom, honoring my father, forgiving them, releasing to the Lord. They did the best that they could. I didn't need to understand it, but I did need to forgive it. And the best way for, for me to do this and for Jesse, because we really believe what the Bible says. And the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. So we've been sending money to my mom, to our, parent, to our parents, um, every single month automatically for years. Our money just goes directly to them because where your treasure is, your heart is. And over the years, my heart has become softened. Now I feel... I feel sad that my mom is in that place. I want better for her. I want her to be restored. And that wouldn't have came if I didn't release my treasure to it. Okay. Okay. Point number two. <laughs> Point number two is relational growth. So as a nurturing environment in this house, we want you to have relational growth. Like I said, I came in, I was very independent. I was very okay with hiding. I found any way to hide, I would hide behind serving. I didn't really know how to communicate or interact with people. I couldn't look people in the eye. I was always looking down. Um, I didn't know how to have a conversation. I didn't know how to share how I felt. I didn't know how to share my convictions. I didn't know how to share my beliefs. So and and being being in the military was such a good time for me, but I, my legacy in the military wasn't oh that I was a good friend or oh um, I was someone to uh, be caring or loving because I wasn't brought up in a caring and loving home. I did not know how to care and love. My legacy in the military was that I was always the keg stand champion everywhere I went. <laughs> so it's true. So in, in Cuba, keg stand champion, fun to be around, very adventurous, always has good jokes. But I wasn't known for being a great friend, someone that you would wanna call when you're in time of need. I would get called if you need a good joke. But coming in to this house, I really had to purposely, purposely change that. I had to purposely allow for my heart to be broken, to be vulnerable, because it was so numb that I, cu I couldn't care for someone else, because I was always in such a survival mode to care and protect myself. But being in this house, you can't stay that way for long before you start seeing other people. You start seeing what they're going through. And then that brings up that love and that care. And then you don't know what to do with it. You don't know how to talk about it. But we have so many messages and so many great preachers and speakers in this house to teach us how to communicate, to teach us how to be a good friend. That Bible verse says, teach the woman so they don't end up as gossips or drunks. That's important. In this house, we like to have fun. 
Jesus, he made wine, right? That was his first miracle. But how do you do it without being a keg stand champion? How do you do it appropriately? How do you do it? How do you have a glass of wine and communicate with people and love on people versus having too many glasses of wine so you could hide behind people? So this house, you will learn how to celebrate, how to drink, how to be a good friend. Pastor Leanne says, friendly people attract friends. So I said, I could do that. I better work on being friendly. I better start inviting people over into my house, start inviting people out to dinner. And that was modeled very, very well for us through connect groups. I didn't know how to host people. I didn't know what a charcuterie board was. (laughs) But now I do. But now I do. And we love having people over at our house. And the relationships that we want you to build in this house, that I want you to build in this house, I want it to be forever. I want you guys to be here forever. I want us to grow old together. I want to see your kids living their best lives, preaching the gospel. I wanna see your kids being inventors, the next millionaires, being billionaires. I wanna see us grow together. And just having those little, just those little relationships in life just helps you grow to be a better person. We had dinner with a beautiful couple the other night that was telling us their financial goals. And Jesse and I were like, what, that is amazing. We need to really step up our financial goals and step our vision up, because why not, right? God's blessing for them is God's blessing for us. God will bless and love us. Just the same. And I surfed with beautiful Jenny yesterday. And before we could even say hello, we were already talking about how crazy our kids have been. And so just having the little connections, like knowing, oh, Jenny's got crazy kids too, and you don't know what to do with it, just made me feel so encouraged and so much better. (laughs) Like, oh, okay, we got crazy kids. It's good. All right. And the the last area of growth I want to talk about this morning is personal growth. And that is personal growth with our relationship in God. Personal growth in the tough, the tough areas of our life. Personal growth in the areas that only God can minister and do. This altar here is a sacred place. It's a sacred place where God can meet you and minister to you. I have been to this altar time and time again, crying out to the Lord, God, where were you when this happened? God, where, why do I act like this? Why can't I stand straight and look people in the eye? And time and time again, God healed things layer by layer, slowly by slowly, so that now I can stand in front of you and share. And I wanna tell you about this time that I met God here at this altar. Because I was just asking God, those times in my childhood where I felt completely abandoned, completely alone, I went through some pretty traumatic things in my childhood, but I didn't have anyone to turn to. I carried those things myself as an adult because I didn't have a parent to say, mom, this happened to me, dad, this happened to me. So I carried it all on the inside. 
So I just cried out to God, God, where were you? Why did you let this happen to me? Why didn't you protect me? Where were my guardian angels? And as I closed my eyes, God showed me, just showed me pictures of myself as a little kid. And he showed me this picture of me underneath our single wide trailer that was on cinder blocks. So I would go under there and play. And I was under there playing in the sand and he showed me the Holy Spirit playing in the sand with me. And I know that it was the Holy Spirit. He didn't show me Jesus, he showed me the Holy Spirit. Because I later found out that my grandmother was um, Holy Spirit-filled, actually. She, was a, she went to a holiest church, very, very Holy Spirit-filled. She had a prayer book, and I know my name was in it. I know she asked the Holy Spirit to minister to me. So I saw, saw myself playing in the dirt. Holy Spirit was there playing with me. He was my best friend as a child. I had a great imagination, and I wasn't imagining alone. He was with me. And then I, he showed me just picture after picture where he showed up in my life right there with me, right there in the good times, right there in the bad times. I was never forsaken. I was never alone. But I would not have ever come to that revelation on my own. I would not have come to that revelation if I didn't come to the altar and just cry out to him and say, why? Why did this happen? And the Holy Spirit to this day is my best friend. And I say it every day. I say, I, I tell him thank you every day. I have, still have the best time with the Holy Spirit. And this morning, Mother's Day could be difficult for some of us, like myself. Maybe you didn't grow up in a loving, nurturing environment. You don't relate to Mother's Day. Maybe your mother isn't here. Maybe she passed away and Mother's Day brings up grief. Maybe a bitterness of why, why your mom, why did she get taken? Maybe today you're a mom and you've lost babies. You've lost a child, you've miscarried. Maybe this morning you're here and your prayer is to have babies. Your prayer is to have children, but that has not come to pass just yet. And I say just yet because it will, because God is a good God. He's a faithful God. Or maybe you're here and you're a single lady and you haven't found your man yet. Wherever you are, God loves you and he cares for you. Wherever you are in this place today, I want you to feel encouraged to do it again. I want you to feel encouraged to grow. I want you to feel encouraged to just step out and say, today is a new day. I will not let the enemy steal my joy another second, another day. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I want everyone to close your eyes so I could pray for you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God, that there is restoration in this place today, that there is a restoration. 
marriages being restored, homes being restored. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Just soak in his presence. Let the Holy Spirit move. I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord. I see children coming home. I see daughters and sons coming home. I see parents that have thought that the fight was lost. But as long as your children have breath in their lungs, God is faithful to restore. I see children coming home, coming home. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I see healing, healing in hearts, hearts that have been hardened by circumstance, hearts that have been hardened by disappointments, by grief. I see hearts being fully and completely softened today so that restoration could come. God is our great nurturer. He wants to nurture and care for you. He wants you to grow in all areas. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.